0: Hello and welcome to Socialism, the Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. The plans by football's elite for the European Super League revealed the rigged system the billionaires would like to have, but the protests revealed that mass action can force them back. What is necessary now to reclaim football from the billionaire and owners for working class people? This episode is a recording of the introduction at a national online meeting hosted by the Socialist Party. The speaker is John Reid, author of Reclaim the Game, a pamphlet that was first written in 1992 at the outset of the Premier League, currently on its 13th edition and is available from Left Books. We have not included the discussion as people attending had the right to use the meeting to work out their ideas. If you would like to discuss any of the ideas, get involved in this campaign and the fight to end the system, rigged in favour of the billionaires by replacing it with socialism, get in touch. Contact details are in the episode notes. This bonus episode of Socialism looks at the football European Super League proposal and how we can reclaim the game. My name's Lenny Shale, I'm a member of the Socialist Party and I'm just going to be hosting the meeting tonight. I'm also a Chelsea fan, I was down at Stamford Bridge on Monday night for my sins. But, like, I think everyone who's come along tonight, many of you will already be members of the Socialist Party, others, and hopefully, maybe seeing this meeting either on one of the protests or on social media to see a socialist perspective and a socialist position on what's taken place in the course of the last week. We're very privileged to have John Reed. QPR fan who's author of Reclaim the Game, one of the pamphlets the Socialist parties produced repeatedly over the years to look at what's taking place in football in terms of the infiltration of big business and just glancing through the latest edition that was published a few years ago. John even talks about the breakaway European League and the potential for that to take place, in effect pre-warning the possibility of the breakaway by the richest of the owners to rob football from the fans, from the working-class communities which Obviously, football is rooted in, so I think it's a fantastic we we'll to be able to host this meeting short notice. As I mentioned before, there's a number of people that couldn't be here today because they're down at the Emirates, taking part in protests there, and there'll be protests, I know, taking place this weekend at a number of grounds because clearly the attempt by the six clubs in England to join the European Super League, of course, it backfired pretty quickly in the course of only, I think, a day and a bit On Tuesday night, after the protests at Chelsea, after clearly players got organised and made it clear to their owners that they weren't going to be part of this process. But what is clearly sparked in the minds of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of working class football fans is actually they've had enough of big business dominating football. They've had enough of being outpriced of their own grounds, they've had enough of dominating big business forces robbing them blind, robbing our game, which as I mentioned before is rooted within the working class. Football developed with the working class, it's our game and we as socialists play particular importance in any struggle for working people for our benefits and our games and football's no different to that. It's part of our culture, for many people part of their daily lives, so it's an important struggle for workers, an important struggle for socialists. So I don't want to speak for too much longer, there'll be plenty of chance for people who've come along to contribute ask questions and see how we as can maybe play a role in taking this struggle even further because clearly there's no return back to normal if you like the cat is out of the bag and we need to be part of that struggle to see how we can finally get rid of big business out of football but also as i think john will probably hint as well link that to the struggle fundamentally to change society as a whole not just within football
1: good evening everybody these are some of the copies of reclaim the games over the last thirty years. I'm in the process of writing another one at the moment. I didn't think there'd be a great deal to add to it, but I think there's a tremendous lot to add to that. That will be out hopefully in September when we'll be able to physically start going back to football. It's been a bad couple of weeks if you're a football-hating Republican with, first of all, Prince Philip dying and then football in the news, but at least the football events managed to keep Prince Philip off the news. It's a wonder they didn't credit him for the collapse of the European Super League with everything else he was credited with. I think this has come as a massive shock for the majority of football fans. But for members of the Socialist Party, it is a question of foresight over astonishment. We have in our publications, and I'll go back over the last 20 years, saying that the gradual development was towards a European Super League. And I'll go on to that. And really, it's interesting. In the last few days, you've had economists coming on rather than football pundits explaining the money involved. Between 3 billion and 4.3 billion was promised by JP Morgan, an investment bank. Club shares, particularly at Manchester United, rocketed as a result of that. Now, for most fans growing up in football, you look at the results of your team on the pitch and you look at where they finish in the league on merit. If they win the league, they won it on merit normally. And if they get relegated, exactly the same. But I think over the last 30 years, reflecting neoliberal society, money money's always been a factor in football, but not to the extent it is now. We have football corporations existing now, in many cases, not football teams. In Reclaim the Game, 10 Seasons of the Premier League Swindle, which I wrote 20 years ago, I wrote the following. We have already seen the beginnings of a European Super League with the Extended Champions League, which was a compromise set up by UEFA to appease the biggest clubs and to suck in ever greater amounts of TV cash. That was written 20 years ago in our publications. Just an aside, friends of mine who I've sold a book to years ago, they were winding me up about all of the things I wrote and the Socialist Party wrote. I've had people phoning me up in the last week, apologising and saying, you've been correct all along. This is the final straw. Personally, I don't give a damn about the so-called big six teams or the big 20 European teams. I'm far more distressed by what happened to Bury going out of existence. What happened to Wrexham, Wales' oldest club, or the oldest club in Britain, Notts County, that are both out of the league? I'm far more worried about them than the sleazy six. Now, Real Madrid's chairman, I think his name's Perez, I think he's an ex-right-wing politician as well, said they have to move to a super league because of the finances. The clubs are massively in debt. And yes, they are massively in debt. I think part of Spurs' debts is due to the new stadium. Spurs is 589 million in debt. Manchester United, 450 million, mainly down to the Glazers. Juventus, 335. Real and Barcelona, similar debts as well. Chelsea have got debts of 16 million, so their debts aren't quite as high. And the basis of this league, which has been muted now for a whole number of years, has been on the basis of the biggest earners. For example, the biggest earners in football are Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, Munich, Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City, PSG, Chelsea, Spurs and Juventus. Arsenal are only 11th and AC Milan aren't even in the top 20. But obviously their brand name, and it's sad you have to say this about football now, it's a question of brand name and their ability to generate wealth has put them in the so-called top 12 or top 20 clubs. Now, I've nothing against Arsenal, always had a soft spot for them, but being ninth in the league doesn't merit going into any form of Super League. Now, the richest, the 20 clubs, generated £8.2 billion pounds last year. Now, that is down 13% from £9.3 billion the year before due to the pandemic and the lockdown. But despite this huge generation of money, the debt has increased in all of the big clubs. And this is why they find the need to try to dominate the market more and take more of the resources for themselves. I've never taken drugs myself, but it seems like a heroin addict who needs a bigger and bigger fix every time. Their fix is more and more money and more and more greed. The big six English clubs, well, laughably the big six, two of them aren't even in the top six, want their cake and eat it too. They want to preserve the Premier League which is beamed into 600 million homes in 202 countries. The TV money alone in the Premier League generates well over £4 billion, plus the associated commercial revenue. Now, obviously, clubs in Spain, Germany, Italy have always been envious of the money this generates, and that's another factor in them wanting to form some sort of European Super League. As I said, the European Super League would comprise of a mixture of the biggest money generators, plus clubs with a commercial value, hence AC Milan. Interestingly, Zenit of St. Petersburg, even though they're one of the richest clubs, for various reasons aren't invited to dine with this club. And by the way, Bayern Munich and PSG, it might be the impression that they declined, that they were invited and they were still in discussions. Now, obviously, maybe they were being a bit more cagey to see how things would develop. Now, 15 or 16 clubs under these proposals would have perpetual membership, there would be no relegation, there would be no changes. And as I've said before, if it had have developed, there may well have been a second tier of 16 to remove those teams away from possibly even their leagues. Now let's go back to Barcelona who are pleading poverty. They generate 715 million euros a year, but Messi alone receives 133 million euros a season. His last contract was worth 555 million euros, so I can't really sympathize with that being poverty. Now, this movement was initially led by Real Madrid. These clubs considered ditching at one stage their national leagues. I stated that in the Reclaim the Game 2019 edition. I stated this would leave hundreds of other clubs behind and potentially destroy or severely harm a number of national leagues. It would massively harm the pyramid structure in English football, in which promotion and relegation on merit is at the heart of all competitions. The owners of football are to blame. In Reclaim the Game, I argued we need to drive out the billionaires out of football. Ironically, they have increased the debt in football. They haven't come in and managed football and taken football forward in in that way. And by the way, Let's stamp on the idea that it's got anything to do with the nationality of owners as well. In fact, Barcelona and Real Madrid are technically owned by the supporters. The main directors are the supporters who elect the board. The racists in England disgracefully say it is the foreigners or Americans or even more darkly say it's the Jewish owners of these clubs. But those who have taken over English football, whether Jewish, Christian, Muslim or atheist, have one thing in common. They are parasitic capitalists. That's what they are. And they're trying to get their snouts in the trough of the multi-billion pound football industry. Now, football clubs should be discussing the major issues which I was going to be writing about in the latest edition of Reclaim the Game. They should be discussing how to rid football of racism, how to deal with the serious industrial injury caused by heading a football or with the serious paedophile cases in football. Football is the only industry where you can buy and sell children. The rich talent of Africa and South America is bought by the corporate clubs. Raheem Sterling, as a 14-year-old playing for my club, Queens Park Rangers, was sold to Liverpool for one million pounds when he was only 14 years old. Football authorities in England and Europe should have been discussing how to protect the smaller clubs and grassroots football the lifeblood of the game. Instead, behind closed doors, they were hatching a plan that took greed to a stratospheric level. This during a pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people in Europe and millions worldwide have died. These greedy, and at this stage you can choose any expletive you want, I'm not going to swear this meeting, have attempted to hijack football for their own greedy quest and sod all the rest. That's their mantra. Indeed, 10 of the richest English clubs do not even need crowds to break even or make a profit. They thought by announcing these plans with no crowds attending, they could push these plans through. They do not understand football and its traditions. Manchester United was originally formed by rail workers, Arsenal by munition workers in Greenwich. Many clubs had a socialistic origin, if you read their histories, and fans have a respect for tradition. A banner at the demonstration at Stamford Bridge demanded the right of fans to go to Stoke on a cold Tuesday night. Most of these billionaires wouldn't even know where Stoke is. Actually, some of them wouldn't even know where Stamford Bridge is, for that matter. For them, it's just the question of listings in the Financial Times and other journals. In fact, the demonstrations are all six clubs. Fans have said they should be and want to be a league on merit, not because of money. Fans respect other clubs. Growing up, I used to go to Stamford Bridge with my best friend and Chelsea supporter Dennis one week, and he used to come to Loftus Road on alternative Saturdays. Well, you could afford to do it, then you can't now. But you grew up loving football and going to different matches. Even clubs I absolutely detest, like Luton and Norwich. I would not wish them out of existence. There's a right for every club to exist, and I defend that right. The huge groundswell shocked the out-of-touch owners As did the response from ex-players like Milner, Carragher, Neville, etc. Who, even though they're millionaires, are from a working-class background and know the history of the clubs they love. Even Pep Guardiola, Klopp, made statements that they hated the idea of what was happening. Facing a huge fan's revolt, and even a possible player's strike, which I think would have developed given time, the so-called Big Six backed down. UEFA and FIFA threatened disciplinary action, banning these clubs from all competitions and players from playing for their country. There was talk of voiding this weekend's League Cup final, kicking Chelsea out of the FA Cup in Europe and kicking Real Madrid, Chelsea, Man City, Man United, Arsenal and whoever else is in those competitions. I must admit, I don't spend my time keeping up with all of that. But the hypocrisy is rife. The FA allowed clubs to keep all their home gate receipts. I think this was about 40 years ago. In the 1980s, Irving Scholar, chairman then of Spurs, flouted Rule 34. The rule limited a director's income, safeguarding clubs, grounds and preserved clubs as sporting institutions. He flouted the rule by making Spurs a PLC, which opened up the door to corporate football clubs. And Spurs and then other clubs eventually entered the stock exchange. When the great Spurs manager Keith Berkenshaw walked away from White Hart Lane in 1984, despite winning the UEFA Cup, he said there used to be a football club over there. And I think those words are proven true. In 1992, the Premier League was formed. And I wrote the first Reclaim the Game, which was a militant production in those days. And it's a socialist party production now. Same organisation, different name. And we were the only party to campaign against the Premier League as we had previously led a national campaign against football ID cards. But at least the Premier League is based on performance and relegation and promotion. Interestingly, two of the main protagonists for the Premier League were Tottenham Hotspur and Sheffield Wednesday, who I believe will be relegated to the third tier, probably tomorrow. And 49 different teams are played in the Premier League, including Bradford City, Bolton Wanderers, another team badly treated by the FA, Oldham Athletics, Swindon Town. And in the inaugural Premier League, that most wonderful team from West London, Queen's Park Rangers, finished fifth. So it just shows. But joking aside, I'm ashamed that QPR took part in the Premier League. In fact, it wasn't resisted by any club at the time. They all fell under this illusion that they could get on the gravy train. And let's be under no illusion. If other clubs than the so-called Big Six have been offered that situation, their directors wouldn't have been any different, by the way. So we can't sort of castigate those clubs and hold the clubs that aren't involved up as some sort of example of morality. Also, FIFA can pontificate all they like, but their level of sleaze and corruption would put the Borgias to shame. I put in reclaim the game that Russia and Qatar bought the World Cup. In fact, it was well known by football journalists and writers, even before the announcement, that they had actually bought the World Cup. The Sepp Blatter and others had taken bribes. Now the English FA complained about that, but obviously they're 15 15 millions worth of bribes, which is highlighted again in Reclaim Again, they paid 15 million in bribes, but that wasn't enough to match the bribes of Russia and Qatar. UEFA complains about the Super League, but it set up the framework of a Super League with the Champions League and coefficients etc. Before that was set up, you had to actually be champions of your country to compete. Now, I'm not saying we should necessarily go back to just the champions going into a competition. As socialists and as Marxists, we're not against change and we're up for discussion. But any competition has to be based on merit and qualification by winning football games. By the way, it's a massive victory by fans. And the Super League proposals, by the way, will not go away. We need to continue to be vigilant and to demonstrate against it. UEFA will introduce a variation of it. They will guarantee more high profile matches. They may automatically enter so called high profile prestige clubs into the Champions League, not based on their ability, but based on their ability to generate money. In the Premier League, the Premier League itself attempted to introduce Game 39 a number of years ago, which would have seen games played in Kolkata, New York, Beijing, etc played out for television audiences and geared to viewing times in China or the USA. This was massively resisted by fans, but don't say that UEFA might not introduce an aspect of this in any reorganization of the European Champions League, of taking a road show around the world with games kicking off our time three in the morning, etc., just to purely television market. The Socialist Party has been involved in fan struggles in England and Wales at many clubs. Reclaim the game has been sold in every continent and has even been mentioned in academic books in the USA and elsewhere. Even some German fans translated it into German, it was translated into German by anarchists in Germany. Hopefully, they translated it correctly, I'm not speaking German, I don't know. Football only used to make the back pages. Now it is analysed by the Financial Times, the New York Times, The Economist, and they wheel out economists to discuss the game. The Tory government was forced to oppose the Super League. They fear the masses. The movement of football fans showed the massive latent power of the working class. That is what they feared, and that is why they made those statements. They feared that if the cloak of naked capitalism was lifted in football, That the working class would draw conclusions about the rest of society as with the nhs the government had to pretend to care they don't care they would actually like to see neoliberalism extended and profits extended football may be the opiate of the masses or to paraphrase lennon that's john not bi it may be bigger than religion but for fans around the world it is still the people's game i'll finish with a number of quotes First of all, from Stanley Matthews, one of the great players of English football. And in his autobiography, he said, football from the 1930s up to the 1980s served as a strong social glue. Many supporters left the pit, shaft, shipyards, factory floor from a Saturday morning half shift and headed straight to see their favourite team for a sense of escape as well as entertainment. He goes on to say, ask yourself this. Does the supporter who can afford an executive box or regular corporate match day entertainment and has watched his or her team lose 1-0 feel gutted on a Monday morning when they leave their comfortable home? I doubt it very much. The great Bill Shankly, the legendary Liverpool manager said, the socialism I believe in is everybody working for the same goal and everybody having their share in the rewards. This is how I see football. Or well, Brian Clough, the great manager of Nottingham Forest and Derby, always called for socialism. He supported the miners and sided with the workers. He had some dodgy ideas about other things. I do know that before anybody corrects me. As did Big Jack Charlton as well. If you watch that biography of him on the television, he stood shoulders to shoulder with Scargill and the miners. The Carragers, Milners, and Neville's and supporters group may not have been talking about socialism, but it was a class-based response. And I think this put fear into the ruling class, and so it should be as well. They fear working class people taking to the streets. And by the way, they won't be able to bash football fans off the street as easy as they have done with other protesters, and they also fear that as well. I'll finish with, we must link our fight to reclaim the game, for the fight to reclaim society and to end capitalism. As I said earlier, It's no use just calling for the clubs to have some sort of share ownership of clubs, as with Barcelona and Real Madrid. Under a capitalistic society, you don't get real control. The development of football reflects the development of capitalism. The rich get richer, the poor go to the wall. And we've seen the neoliberalism of society extended into football. In a new socialist society, all football clubs would be preserved. They would be owned, controlled, and run by fans and the local community. Their facilities would be open to and used by the local community. I'd urge you, if you're already not a member, to join the Socialist Party, to take reclaim the game and to take our leaflets to bring along to your own clubs and join the struggle to transform football and societies. We must put an end to the barbaric system of capitalism and fight for a democratic planned socialist economy organised across international borders and based on human solidarity and cooperation. Then, for the first time in history, working people, the majority in society, would have democratic control. The world would be rid of the horrors of war, most diseases, hunger and the ecological mess that we're in at the moment. Reclaim the game. Fight for the socialist revolution. Thank you.
0: Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party, the England and Wales section of the Committee for Workers International, this bonus track is a recording of the introduction by John Reed at the Socialist Party public meeting on the proposal for a football European Super League that was defeated. And I'm Lenny Shale. This episode was edited by Nick Hart. You can find further reading in the notes in your podcast app. If you want to get in touch, email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk. Socialism, the podcast, relies on the funding from our members and supporters. We have no big business backers or adverts which allows us to maintain our political independence. Can you help fund this podcast? You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Even more importantly, do you agree with the ideas of Socialist Party as we've raised here? Get in touch and find out how you can become a member and apply to join at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, Contact the Committee for Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Till next time, Solidarity.